that went by too fast for you over something. Oh, what was that? What was she that she said? <laughs> there are bulletins, and you can actually read it in the bulletin as well, or go on our website, one or the other. And you won't have too much trouble finding the uh, the art show right outside. I'm pretty proud of that. We're pretty excited about that. And uh, we're also excited about what happened this weekend with our divorce recovery workshop. And if you've never done that before, I highly recommend, especially if you uh, have had the misfortune of having a divorce or know someone that uh, has. And also, for from what I understand, there were just a lot of people that were there that um, are kind of exploring Jesus and trying to figure out uh, who the Lord is exactly in their life. And so it's just such a wonderful outreach. And uh, I'm just so excited when we have these uh, special events. Uh, I just love the artist thing, too. Our church is very artistic, a little weird, but very artistic. And um, so we do all kinds of stuff like that, and it's just so fun. And we actually have a room that's completely devoted to art, which I'm really proud of. And uh, who knows, maybe it'll expand someday and grow, but it's just a really great place where people gather for arts and crafts and do things artistically. And we also believe that some art that we do, and uh, hopefully a lot of it, is fairly prophetic. It has a voice, God speaking something through it. There's always, in every artist's art, a message. And uh, I would imagine also part of the message they'd like me to give you is that I think some of it's for sale out there too. So I heard the word struggling young artist, so there might be a few of that, those out there. I'm not sure. But anyway, and, and glad for it. I, I actually have had some things painted for me. I, uh, actually, Lynn Schrader, I don't know if she's in here right now. She's one of the coordinators of all of our art stuff. She's probably outside there. But she gave me a painting that she did, and uh, I've held it in my office ever since. Just the, every time I look at it, I, I see a certain thing in it that reminds me of, of God. And uh, so I just love these sort of uh, symbolic and powerful uh, voices of God that come through the visual arts. All right. So uh, I want to start uh, with James chapter 4, and I want to talk about the wisdom of praying for God's help. And... Um, I've made quite a specialty of this in my life, I guess because I've spent most of my life in some sort of trouble like all the rest of you. But I have noticed from a very, very early age the power of praying. And uh, so if you've been around me any length of time, you'll, you'll get that impression or you hear me speak. I'm kind of like a broken record. I'll go back on this subject. And um, I've always had a little sensitivity to the Lord ever since I was small. But uh, I remember, and maybe some of you have heard me say this before, but... Talk about children's ministry. Um, there was a teacher when I was seven years old. I remember I just started going to church. My family just started going to church. And they took me to my class, and, and uh, I was in my Sunday school class. And I'll never forget this woman. Her name was Greta McConnell. How many of you can remember your second grade second Sunday school teacher? But I remember her. She was very unusual. And she used to pray with us all the time. And second graders, you know, I think there were first and second and third graders who used to pray with us all the time. And then she would teach us about praying. Well, I've always been a little bit entrepreneurial, right? So she basically said, you could pray for anything and God will do it. And I thought, hot dog, that's a deal. Because I'm thinking of all the things I wanted, you know, like bikes and everything, you know. And so I took her right up on it. And uh, I just believed her uh, that God would answer prayers. So, you know. And she said everything, so I thought, okay, everything, you know. So I, I prayed for everything you could imagine. And to my utter amazement, I received so many things. It was shocking all through my childhood, you know. And I just got the idea early. 
God would answer these childlike prayers and it, it formed something in me in terms of my awareness of God. Prayer is that. Prayer, what prayer does is it establishes your relationship with the Lord. It shapes it. Because what you pray for, when you get it, or even if you don't, or if you struggle, it takes a little longer, whatever. But all through that time, as you're waiting on God to answer specific requests and petitions, He's shaping you. He's altering you. And prayer is much larger than just petition, but at the heart of it, I believe, is petition. And, uh, of course, when we say, hallowed be your name in the Lord's Prayer, you know, we're, we're worshiping, right? So that's the entrance point. Lord, hallowed be your name. Lord, holy is your name. So that's a form of prayer. It's a form of uh, worship is a form of prayer. When we sing like we do, we're actually praying to the Lord. And so you can ask my wife. I, I just love to pray for things. I love to pray th- for things very concrete. And uh, so I prayed for grades. I prayed for, <laughs> you can imagine. And... <clears throat> I prayed to be the most valuable player over and over again. And I, I was the most valuable player a lot of times. And I prayed for straight A's all the time, and I did it except for one bad grade. I was a freshman in high school. I couldn't type. Still can't. Thank God I married the world's greatest. And guess what I married? I married a typing teacher. Can you believe that? Maybe that's why I married you, Janice. I could not. I had to go through typing class twice. The first time I got a D. How do you get a D in typing? I, but I did, right? I got straight A's and everything else, and that one little smirch, a D, and it irritated me, and I prayed that God would change the grade. And this is as a, so it went on my high school transcript. I prayed every day of my life that God would change that grade. And one day, a, a neighbor across the street, she was a teacher at another high school, and I said, oh, she said, how are you doing in school? I said, oh, I'm doing great. I'm got straight A's, and I really like it. And I didn't tell her I'd been praying about that, but I got this one problem. I went to summer school and got a D, and it's on my record. I can't stand it. It's driving me nuts. He said, oh, I'm so sorry. Well, who was the teacher that taught that? And I said, well, how would you know? You teach in the other high school. Well, I might know her. And I said, well, it was Mrs. Blah, blah. Said, I know her. And so she went and talked to the teacher. And that teacher somehow arranged it so that if I would take the course again and I got a better grade... I would get that they would change my transcript. I didn't even know that was possible. Matter of fact, I thought it was probably impossible. But I was so neurotic, so crazy, and I'd asked so many times. I just did it anyway. I took it all over again, and I got an A this time. And she made it possible. She changed my transcript from a D to an A. So those are the kinds of things. I used to speak in tongues when I was playing basketball. First time I did, I scored 24 points. I never stopped speaking in tongues in basketball after that. I'm like crazy about this. My seven-year-old second grade Sunday school teacher said you could have things if you prayed. And I was being the opportunist and the marketing person, you know, the person that I, you know, the, not, I think that's the wrong word, but anyway, just wanting to see things happen, right, and uh, change. Uh, And I just, as a little child, began to do this. And because I saw so many crazy answers to prayer, those are just a couple of things I saw all the time uh, happen to me. And then I saw things that I prayed that didn't happen. But I learned from both, and I began to shape me and form me. And then as I began to know God better and the Holy Spirit got poured on me, then I, be, I went crazy with this prayer thing. And I just feel, could feel the access of God. So I'm sitting and speaking to you from that vantage point, and I've never stopped. If you've known me for ten minutes, you know this is a part of, of what I am. And it's like some people do this as a super spiritual exercise, you know, and, and, and that's good and, and, and have intimacy with the Lord. I do that too. Uh, 
but I do it for answers. <laughs> then when Eddie taught me that God loves me, then the whole prayer thing went ballistic. <laughs> because when you know inside, deep, that God really does like you, you pray the world. You pray everything. I prayed myself in countries, and then I had to pray myself out of countries. I've prayed myself into messes and out of messes. I've been, whatever I've took, put my prayer gun out, especially if I have any length of time at it, because when I'm praying for a long time over something, it usually means that the God's helping me, other I'd have given up a long time ago, right? And so maybe I'll give a few of these testimonies to go along, but most of you know me, and so you know. But I, I just want to share this again, and there's a wisdom in learning to pray for God's help. It sounds silly, doesn't it? But I see so many people miss it altogether. They never go on prayer journeys. I call them prayer journeys. Because often when you go on these journeys, God takes you down roads and trips you this and that and this way. And you get to the answer in ways you hadn't imagined. And things happen along the way. And along the way, you change, which I think is one of the reasons why God has us praying like this. You change. You rearrange. Your priorities change. Your knowledge of God changes everything. So he disciples you through this interaction, this constant interaction with him. Things that you don't get and things that you do, things that are delayed. And then you see how God does it in other people's lives. And then I also am this sort of entrepreneur for other people's stuff. That's why one of my favorite prayer meetings in the whole world is that business prayer meeting because I watch people get stuff. I watch miracles happen in there. I write them down. I make them my miracles when I see. I see absolute desperation, especially in these times with all everything from, you know, the this... Uh, horrible COVID thing to, uh, you know, just the difficulties people have. And I watch how God does miracles and stuff, and it's instructive to me. It encourages me. It builds me up. I go, wow, the possibilities are so great. And I just surf off other people's answers. Think, wow, if he did it for you, he'll do it for me. And I just stay full of God this way. And uh, so it sounds a little (laughs) self-seeking. It is. But here's what James 4, 2 says. You do not have... Because you do not ask God. Wow. That's pretty clear, isn't it? Because sometimes we don't get what we want right away or what we're praying for. And sometimes what we're praying for is so serious and so heavy. And when it doesn't go our way, it just disappoints us. And we say, well, I guess it doesn't work or whatever, right? But no, you're just on a journey. You just took a downturn. There's an upside. Matter of fact, some of the things I prayed for I wanted so bad and I didn't get it. I thank God every day I didn't get it. <laughs> Would have been a disaster, right? Because I've tracked it. I realized, oh man, thank you God for knowing what I really wanted and needed, right? So asking for things from God, if you look on your outline, uh, from God is wise, right? It's part of the amazing journey we take with God as believers in Jesus Christ. Look at Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 to 11 with me. Ask and it will be given to you. This is Jesus speaking. Seek and you'll find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. Now, the tense of these verbs as it's talked in the command form, it's sort of an imperative, continuous sense. So it's the idea is keep on asking and it will be given to you. Keep on seeking you'll find. Keep on knocking and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who keeps on asking receives. The one who keeps on seeking finds. And the one who keeps on knocking, the door will be opened. I, sometimes you just stumble over this everyone, and then you can think of 15 things that you didn't get that you were asking for, right? But true, there's something to it. If you'll just stay with it, you'll follow this out. Watch over your requests like maybe a mother hen sitting on eggs. You'll find out that some of those eggs you were sitting on you didn't want anyway. You thought you did. And others are just taking more time than usual. 
and others just come right away. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? So he puts us in an extremely relational place. I mean, my children and now my grandchildren asking me things, asking me for things. I'm really vulnerable. I've always been vulnerable. Every parent that loves their kids are, are vulnerable. And have you noticed that children have no problem asking? No problem whatsoever. No religious bones in their body. Even when they're like kind of pretending they're humble to ask, they really have, you, you know, you know that tone in your voice. You know, Dad, I just, you know. What do you want? <laughs> well, <laughs> and they come out with it. Stephen, my youngest, is especially good at that one. I don't know where he learned to do that, but... Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him <laughs> Oh, I better not tell on him. <laughs> I can always tell by the look in his eye. I don't even have to hear him speak when he wants something from me. He just looks at me in that way. <laughs> I just know. <laughs> the father is the same way. He knows. And he cares. Why would he put this stuff in there? Why would Jesus waste his time talking this way? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? So in everything do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. You do not have because you do not ask God. Jesus goes way out of his way to help us understand. You don't have because you don't ask God. It's a statement that James makes about unbelievers or new believers who ask with wrong motives or do not ask God for anything at all. That's James 4, 2, and 3. So he's talking about people that don't ask or people that ask with the wrong motives, right? But that's the context of those verses, which I won't read in, in detail. But um, anyway, God often takes us on prayer journeys through the problems of life, teaching us his ways and building our faith to believe for greater and greater promises from the Word of God. Now, here's another thing I've done for my whole life. Because of, uh, again, some discipline I had early in my life, I read through the Bible continually. Every year, I read through the Bible all the time, continually. Why do I do that? Am I just because it's religious? No, you can't have that. I mean, reading through the Bible, even in one year, is hard. You can't deal with the religious spirit. That, that, <laughs> that dies out in about two months. <laughs> Have you ever tried? I'm going to read the Bible. It's January 1st. I'm going to read through the Bible from cover to cover, right? <laughs> and so I've tried that before. But as I've begun to read consistently and persistently, the reason why I do it is I look for all the promises, all the good stuff. I'm like a kid in a candy store. So I read. It's fascinating to me how God helps people. It just fascinates me. And all the different scriptures and promises there. So I just take every one of them. I, so I, I just go through the Bible. I just go through, comb through it. First of all, there's all kinds of warnings and other things that I need to know. And, and, and also, the Bible is such a description of people's lives. It's so real. It's just a reflection. You know, it's talking about people's real lives and their real experiences and everything. There's teaching it. But then there's all these examples all over the place of what to do and what not to do. But then there's all these promises of how to get blessed. I guess I just like blessing. But page after page, don't do that. That's going to mess you up. Do that. That's a good thing. God said this. Abraham did that. I just take that, and I take it for myself. If it doesn't become personal, then it becomes stale, right? And uh, I just never forget some of the most dramatic experiences I've ever had with the Lord. It's just so amazing. I... <laughs> 
I pray for the most ridiculous things. Some of you have heard me talk. When John was pitching in college, I prayed for his ERA. That means a certain statistic for the whole year. I asked God, God, don't ever let him get over three in his ERA. He was pitching at Stanford. They ended up in the College World Series. And in the seventh inning of the last game he ever pitched, I looked up on the scoreboard. He let a run in, and his ERA for the first time all season went to 3.012. I was crushed. I said, God, his, he's one inning away. He's pitched 150 innings against the stiffest competition in America, and you let him lose his ERA in the last inning of his career? I said, it's not right. I, I, I'm telling God, no, no. And then all of a sudden, there's a timeout. Timeout. The umpires go up to the, talk with one another, and it turns out that something, I can't even remember exactly what it was, but one of the runners left earlier or something, and they played the whole thing back, made the guy from home go back to third, they would look up on the scoreboard, the ERA changed, John struck the next guy out, and that was it. Done. His whole career. <laughs> so you have one or two of those happen, and I've had dozens and dozens. They told me we couldn't buy this property we're on right now. No way would they let us. The city planning commission recommended against it. I was fretting, and, and even the previous owner of this, I was fretting I was, for six months. I fretted, prayed, fretted. Finally, I said, let's just, do it. let's just go in there anyway. And so we went in there, and the city planning commission, I mean the city council, overruled the planning commission. And so I see, they said, I remember their words, I see no reason why we shouldn't let them ha- uh, do this, the church. And they all voted unanimously. Now, nobody actually jumps over in a council meeting the planning commission's recommendation. It's embarrassing. They try to work that out a little bit beforehand. So I'm standing there. I'm sitting there shocked. I'm just so blown away. And I fretted for seven or eight months on this. And every step of this place, every step of this, from the warehouse, the Mercy Warehouse, to everything, every program, everything we've done, every addition, right through down to the present time, has been one prayer after another, including this crazy school that we now have of 144 kids. I never dreamed that would happen. All of it, and even the money to do it, and all the changes and everything that's been happening through COVID, every step's been prayed through, prayed through, prayed through, prayed through, constantly. So I'm just praying that all of us become these opportunists before the Lord. But it's the one who bought us with such a heavy price that encourages us. He's the one that said it. In his word, in his example, you do not have because you do not ask God. Obviously, it's not as simple as just a simple little tiny request. It's this perseverance, as we're going to see. For example, let's look at Luke chapter 11. These things are just such simple keys, but they're so powerful. Some of the most simple things in the Bible are some of the most profound. Some of the things that we heard since we were like in grade school, right? These are the most profound things. These, these are simple truths. And, and some of these bedrock things, if you just take God up on it, it's amazing what happens in your life. So Jesus is telling them about prayer. So we see the Lord's Prayer in Luke 11. Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins. For we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not in temptation. Then Jesus said to them, well, here's what it's kind of like, guys. 
This is what I call the texture of prayer. Okay, I got the words. I, I memorize every section. First I say, hallowed be your name. Next I say, declare God's authority to come, you know. And then I pray for my daily bread and money stuff. And then I ask for forgiveness and uh, lead me not into testing. Uh, that's a great one. God, keep me out of trouble. Keep COVID off my back. <laughs> keep the boss from firing me. <laughs> right? You guys getting that? That's what, it's a very nice poem. Lead me not into temptation. God, keep me out of trouble. I don't want to be sick. God, I need enough money. Don't get me get fired. God, fix my truck. Whatever. Suppose you have a friend, and you go to him at midnight and say, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me, and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, don't bother me. <laughs> you ever felt like God's like that? Don't bother me. I guess he's just not at home. I've been knocking for three years. I guess he's not home. And you go to him at midnight and say, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me, and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside says, don't bother me. The door is already locked, and my children are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, but because of your shameless audacity. That's what God calls prayer. That's why you can pray for grades. That's why you can pray for money. That's why you can pray for a girlfriend. That's why you can ask God to fix a divorce and the effect of it. That's why you can ask God to heal you. That's why you can ask God to erase some of your most horrible mistakes. You can ask for anything. Sometimes we think, this is ridiculous to ask God for that. I screwed up. I failed. I'm so, I have no business asking God for anything. Oh, really? Really? Because I got news for you. On your best day, you weren't that great. <laughs> so I know maybe sometimes we become a legend in our own mind. <laughs> but for the most part, you're full of sin like everybody else, and you always have been. All right? And that part about confessing your sins and saying, God, I'm sorry, very, very helpful. So wear that one out. It's in the prayer, remember? Forgive us our sins, all right? As we forgive those who, what? Sin against us. So that really helps a lot. Forgiving another person for the sin against you really, really helps. You can ask God to give you the grace for that. Because <laughs> sometimes it's really hard. But when you do... You also feel forgiven for your sins. It cleanses you somehow, right? We're not giving you bread because of friendship. Yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. All the verb tenses are like this. You can say it this way. Asking. Keep on asking, it will be given to you. Keep on seeking, you keep, you, you'll find. Keep on knocking, the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks, receives. This is like really, really... Deliberate and all-inclusive. And so, one of the first things about prayer is you have to get used to that. So you feel like you're praying, but this and this and this is not be answered, right? But you've got to take that, say what God says, and keep on knocking, keep on pursuing, keep on going until the answer comes. Sometimes the answer isn't exactly what you get, but it's actually what you wanted. Sometimes it's exactly what you wanted and more, right? Knock and the door will be open for everyone. Who, who, who would that be? How, how many? Who, everyone. Nobody's left out. Even you, Anthony. No one. 
No one's left out. <laughs> One of my favorite prayer partners. Because <laughs> he gets in so much trouble all the time. <laughs> For everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. And the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or <laughs> you can imagine at Christmas. It's about Christmas, right? I'm always reminded about this. The grandkids and kids. They ask for something, then you give them something that's kind of like what you, they asked for. Have you ever seen the look on their face? Like, thanks, Dad. Then you know you really blew it. <laughs> that's one of the first things about parenting. Give them what they want. And if you've got a cheap substitute, make sure you're clear about it, right? If he asks for an egg, we'll give him a scorpion. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Well, that's the Holy Spirit. That's not, the, that's not a thing. Oh, really? Holy Spirit, he controls everything. He turns the knobs down here. Have you noticed that? That's why you just need the Holy Spirit to work for you. He changes grades. He changes city councils' minds. <laughs> he opens nations like he's open for us. We have no business being in there. Prayed for years and years and years. I'd be in a Himalayan kingdom. I prayed for 15 years. And one day the, the opportunity came right in front of me, and I had to go through it. The opportunity came to me. I had been praying for years. Prayed for years for other nations. Pray for Cambodia for many, many years. And when we went in, I ended up first day talking to the president of the country because of a divine set of circumstances. I didn't even ask to see him, but it turned out I was going to need to see him because he commanded every little piece and part of that country, and I would never have permission. So there we was. And so he'd asked to get in, so I figured while we we're there, I asked him for the moon. That guy, this evil, well, yeah, he was. <laughs> and anyway, he made a door for us. He opened the door for us. And these sort of things. Some of them are quite spiritual. Some of them are other, uh, other varieties and stuff. So one of my favorite movies is uh, The Good, the Bad, and the Ugly. Clint Eastwood, I love that movie. I think I've seen that 15 times. I like every part of it, you know. Clint's my hero. He's even got a great place, a great hotel. up. Where is that place? Huh, Carmel. Oh, I love that place. And I go there, well, I go there because of you, Janice. And our love. But also, Clint owns it. It's awesome. <laughs> I haven't seen him yet, but one day, maybe. So I call this part of asking with shameless audacity, praying for the good, the bad, and the ugly. And uh, not praying for, I'm talking about the people that pray, right? So we've got this long list of the good, the bad, and the ugly in the Bible, right, of people that prayed and got stuff. One of the most famous who started, whole, started this whole ball rolling is Abraham, right? So he encounters God, and, uh, and so it's in the form of three people that come, and he knows it's God, or angels at least. And uh, so they come and visit him, and they tell him he's going to have a son. Well, he's been barren for years, right? And they tell him he's going to have a son, which shocks him. And then when the men got up to leave, verse 16, they looked down towards Sodom, and Abraham walked along with them to see them on their way. Then the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham what I'm about to do? Now, I want you to remember that Abraham's the father of all who believe. 
So he's our ancient, ancient forefather who foreshadowed what would be to come, including Jesus, and that we would actually do business with God by believing. Faith, right? And he was the forebearer from the very beginning of the redemptive story. Went through Moses and all that, but it was always about faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. And in asking, faith is required, isn't it? So Abraham will surely become a great nation, a powerful nation. All nations on earth will be blessed through him. For I have chosen him so that he will direct his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right and just so that the Lord will bring about for Abraham what he has promised him. Then the Lord said, The outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is so great and their sin is so grievous that I will go down and see if what they have done is as bad as the outcry that has reached me. If not, I will know. The men turned away and went towards Sodom, but Abraham remained standing before the Lord. He remembered his relative is in the very place they're talking about. That Abraham approached him and said, Will you sweep away the righteous with the wicked? wonder if there are 50 righteous people in the city. Will you really sweep it away and not spare the place for the sake of the 50 righteous people? I tell you, this is a real secret about God. Appeal to him on the basis of his own mercy. It's a trick. He really likes it. God, I know how merciful you are. Right? And this is what he's doing. Well, what if there's just what if there's 50 righteous people? And then he thinks to himself, oh my gosh, there's probably not 50 righteous people. <laughs> far be it from you to do such a thing, to kill the righteous with the wicked, treating the righteous and the wicked alike. For far be it from you, will not the judge of the earth do right? The Lord said, if I find 50 righteous people in the city, I will spare the whole place for their sake. <laughs> then he goes down to 45, 40, 35, 20. Then he said, may the Lord not be angry, but let me speak just once more. Do we ever get to do with this with God? I mean, it's this. For us, so many things are like so ominous, so religious, so intense. This guy's changing his mind every ten seconds, and he's oh, you know, he's like my kids sometimes. Lord, don't be angry, but you know, you know, I really, do you think it would be okay, Dad? <laughs> what if there's only ten? He answered, "Okay, for the sake of ten, I'll not destroy it." When the Lord had finished speaking with Abraham, he left, and Abraham returned home. He was interceding. It's a picture of God being bargained with. <laughs> this is how personal God is. Now, I'm not saying we can always do this, but He's personal, up close. He loves to get in these things with us because in these things with us, He changes us. He changes our attitudes. He changes our appetites. He, re- he is so sneaky. Through prayer, through your problems and you praying out of them, He changes you. He revolutionizes yourself. He makes you understand what's possible. But he also makes you change. It's the goodness of God that changes people. And we discover that and how accessible he is. It's amazing. So this good man, Abraham, learned to pray from the beginning. How many of you remember the prayer of Jabez? Anybody remember that? What a weird thing that was. This little book comes out and everybody's talking about Jabez. And almost as quickly as it came, it went away. But everybody had that book. Tiny little book. And it's all about an obscure character in the Bible named Jabez. There's a laundry list of, of people that are listed. You know, one of those long laundry lists that the Bible has sometimes of people, you know, and such and such beget that, and such and such beget that, and, you know, him and her and all that stuff. And so we get to First Chronicles chapter 14, that's uh, 4, sorry, verse 9. And then this guy stops right in the midst of this huge list of names. I mean, there's pages of them. Who descended after who? I mean, look at the, you look through from the very beginning of First Chronicles all the way to where we're going to be here in First Chronicles chapter four, verse nine. And he stops for a minute. He says, "You know what? 
Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. <laughs> so, wow, he singled out. This guy must have been a great man. What did he do? Well, his mother named him saying, I've gave birth to him in pain. <laughs> so his name was like pain or something like that. <laughs> Jabez sounds like the Hebrew for pain. So this guy's named Pain. Sometimes I feel like I'm named Pain. How about you? I'm Pain, right? So what great guy, what a great guy to pray, right? Jabez, the guy in Pain, cry out to God of Israel. Oh, here's his, his, the whole Bible, through pages and pages of historical reference, stops on this guy because this guy says this. Oh, that you would bless me, enlarge my territory, let your hand be with me, and keep me from harm, so that I will be free from pain, which is my name. <laughs> and God granted his request. And then it goes on. And Caleb, Shiloh's brother, was the father of Mehiro, who was the father of Eshton. It goes on. And I just pause. It's like right there. As if the Bible's trying to say something to us. Right? And it is. The Bible is trying to say something to us especially for you that are in pain. But that book, do you remember that book? There's this little tiny book, and it went around the world. It sold who knows how many copies. God took that little book, and he said, man, I really like this part, and breathed on it, and went around the earth. Translated in dozens of different languages. This tiny, I still have that little book. And he just expounded on the very words that we see and how we should be asked God, right? So we're still talking about the good. And then we get in these stories, just Jesus' is teaching, and it's all over the place. John chapter 14, verses 12 to 14. Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing. Ay, ay, ay. You're kidding. And he'll do even greater works than these, things than these, because I am going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. So evidently we're supposed to shoot pretty high in this thing called prayer. Ask me for anything in my name. Anything? So as a kid, I just took, up up on, took God up on it. Just little things, you know. Just these things are meaningful to me. Like I want to be the most valuable player in fifth grade in my football team. And I was, right? I'd pray those kind of things. Really incredibly selfish, self-centered, everything. But God kept answering these prayers and I kept learning. And then sometimes he wouldn't. And I went, what was that all about, you know? And I just, <laughs> but I, I got enough taste in me that it just came over to adulthood. And now... As an adult, I pray for nations and change and things like mercy warehouses and all that stuff, right? I tell you, one of the greatest things we could do in our children's ministry and for our school, teach them how to pray, you two. Teach them. It'll stick. They'll get the idea, even as kids. Teach them. I'm looking at our ones over our school of ministry and the one that's over, I mean, over our school and one that's over our Sunday school. I tell you, it's a big deal. And then this whole thing, I always talk in my Life in the Spirit class on a, tur a great turning point in history. The reason why most of you are sitting here is because of what happened in Acts chapter 10. I think we have a few Jewish believers here of, Jew of Jewish background. For the most of us, we're all Gentiles from somewhere or another, right? So God says, you know, I think it's time for us to share the wealth with the Gentile world which was absolutely shocking to the early church. They couldn't believe it. 
And so God had to do something amazing. But I wanted you to notice something. Many of you are familiar with what happened, Cornelius and all that, and he, and, and we, Peter, and, and Peter goes to Cornelius' house, and Cornelius, who is a Gentile, you know, has this vision a few miles, he's living in a city a few miles away, and he's actually a, a, a soldier. And so, at Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion, which was known as the Italian Regiment. He and all his family were devout and God-fearing. He gave generously to those in need, and he prayed to God regularly. One day, at about three in the afternoon, he had a vision. This was during his prayer time. He distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him, because three o'clock was a normal day, a time of prayer, came to him and said, Cornelius. Cornelius stared at him in, in fear. What is it, Lord? The angel answered, your prayers. Did you hear that? And gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial before God. What are two things that we do around here a lot? I pray and give the poor. I told you, I'm an opportunist, right? I see things like that. I go, oh, oh, that worked. That's the whole turning point. This centurion's a Gentile. No one had known to come to Christ but amongst the Gentiles, except we'd had some experience with some Samaritans down the road. But to this point in church history, nobody even believed that the Gentiles were going to get the gospel. Now, here's this guy praying, Right? Now send men to Joppa to bring back a man named Simon who's called Peter. He's staying with Simon the Tanner, right? All right. So he sends to this place. But what I want you to see is that on the other side of this story is Peter. And guess what's happening to him? Peter is also praying. And as he's praying, God gives him a word about noon the following day. Let's see. At noon about the... Following day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the roof to pray. He became hungry and wanted something to eat, so he has this visitation from the Lord. And as he's having this visitation from the Lord, this says, the Lord is explaining something to him. He says, go and talk to the guys down below that are now at your gate. Knock, knock, knock. So Cornelius is praying. The vision comes. Peter's praying. Here come the guys. That's how he knows that he's supposed to go with them. He would never have gone to a Gentile's house except that he had been praying and God showed him he was supposed to go with the Gentile. So God orchestrated the whole thing. But what is the core of both? One guy's praying, then the other guy's praying, and boom, God speaks to them both, and then the miracle happens. Right? That's how all of you are sitting here. That's how the Gentile church was up. Because Peter goes back, and then lo and behold, he's preaching, and the Spirit of God falls, and everybody starts speaking in tongues, even the Gentiles, and everybody's shocked. And now we know that the world's for, the gospel's for the whole world. But where did it start? In a prayer meeting. All things start in this place. Turns out. So that's the good. Some good guys. How about the bad guys? Turns out that God even does stuff for the bad guys in their prayers. <laughs> so there's this group of people known as Ninevites. They're the ancestors actually of the Assyrians. Actually Nineveh was the place where all the Assyrians, that was the capital, right, of of Assyria. And so any of you know anything about the Assyrians, you know what happened with Israel and the history and what was about to happen. And Jonah, being a prophet, knew that, but God called him to go speak to these Assyrians, and he did not want to go, right? And so he's having a really hard time negotiating this with the Lord. And finally, the Lord has to do what? What did the Lord do with him? He swallowed him in a whale, right? Jonah got swallowed by a whale, which sounds crazy. And then he gets spit up on the shore and decides, well, I think I will go to Nineveh after all. And he's complaining the whole way, right? And here's an amazing thing. He goes to this place, and they are wicked, wicked, wicked. And Jonah walks down the main street. He says, you guys don't repent. Fire is going to fall down from heaven. And he's hoping and praying to God that nobody listens. But instead, everybody repents. 
And he goes to the side of the city and he's mad because he sees everybody repenting and no fire is coming down from heaven to destroy them. Nothing, you know. And he's got this little thing he's sitting under and even it wilts and he's really mad. And God says, why are you angry? These people don't know their right hand from their left hand. Why are you angry if I'm giving grace to them? He says, I don't know. I'm just mad. Because he could see on down the line because eventually these Ninevites uh, became a big problem for Israel. He saw. He understood what was going to happen. But God had grace. You know why? Because in a moment, the king and all the people, even the animals, started fasting and praying. Just stopped everything they were doing, believing that what he said was going to happen. Can you imagine? These evil, wicked people tore up pregnant women and killed people and butchered them, the most horrible butchers, everyone. And these people, the bad, turned. God forgave them. And kept judgment from, from them for a hundred years. Can you imagine the grace of God? Ahab the king. Everybody knows about Jezebel and Ahab. So I won't go into detail other than 1 Kings 21. You can read it for yourself. Horrible king. Killing all the prophets. Everything messed up. He even knew about Jezebel and the whole thing. And he just caused so much havoc. And Jezebel had been killed at the place. And the dogs were eating her. Right? And he was at the end of his reign. And I want to show you something that just utterly astounds you. This is why I love to read the Bible. Because it reveals to you what, what God's like. This horrible king. I mean, and his wife was really horrible. And now she's dead. And the, as the, one of the prophets prophesied that the dogs would eat her. And, they, and the dogs did. J, Ahab's still alive, though, doing evil. And look at 1 Kings 21, 17 to 29. Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah the Tishbite. Go down to meet Ahab, king of Israel, who rules in Samaria. He's now in Naboth's vineyard, where he has gone to take possession of it. So uh, let's go further. Uh, Let's look at verse 25. There was never anyone like Ahab who sold himself to do evil in the eyes of the Lord, urged on by Jezebel his wife. This is 1 Kings 21, 22, 25, 26. He behaved in the vilest manner by going after idols like the Amorites the Lord drove out before Israel. When Ahab heard these words, what words is he talking about? Elijah tells him he's going to die because of his wickedness, just like his wife Jezebel did. Guess what he does? He lays on the sackcloth on ground, and sackcloth and fasted. He lay in the sackcloth and went around meekly. Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah the Tishbite. Have you noticed how Ahab has humbled himself before me? Because he has humbled himself, I will not bring this disaster in his day, but I'll bring it on his house in the days of his son. The guy escapes. His wife gets eaten by dogs. His kids are going to suffer for his sins. But this guy humbles himself, and God has mercy on him and says, Okay, I let you off the hook. What is this? It's prayer. It's humbling. It's asking. It's communing. It's changing your mind. What about the criminal crucified with Jesus? He gets off the hook. He says, hey, please, this guy here, he's still evil. I, I did wrong. I know it. Just remember me. Could you remember me in paradise? Jesus says, today, You'll be with me. What is that that he's doing on the cross next to Jesus' cross? He's asking Jesus for help. He's humbling himself. Now, if these sort of people can do it, how much more can we? And so what happens sometimes when we pray, we forget about the persistence part, the keep on asking, the keep on knocking part. We ask about the shameless audacity part. We forget how violent, how 
how aggressive we're supposed to be. And above all, we just can't just give up on God, give up on ourselves, and give up on our situations. What do we do when we ask but don't seem to get an answer? Well, here's the first one. We never stop asking. Even when we just don't feel a, a, a sense of faith or a bone in our body that has any faith in when we're fresh out of inspiration and it, it died a long time ago in the middle of that great prayer meeting where we thought maybe things could change. And this is what he says. And I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of your sh- friendship and because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. I say to you, keep on asking, it'll be given to you. Keep on seeking, keep on knocking. For everyone who keeps on asking, that's the verb tense, the one who se- keeps on seeking, the one who keeps on knocking, the door will be opened to you, and, and so on and so forth, right? We never stop standing in our identity as beloved sons and daughters. Here's another story I like. See, I, 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 the reason why I read through the Bible like this is I just find all these crazy stories, and I'm thinking to myself, this is the revelation of God. This is what God's like. This is what He thinks. This is how He acts. And, and if, if I want answers, if I, I want to be, you know, God says, you know, how can two walk together unless they be agreed? So I just want to agree with everything that He says, and He agrees with some of the strangest things, things that I would never agree to or do, but I find out, wow, there's grace for me, especially when I'm not doing so well. 2 Kings chapter 20, verse 1 to 6. So Isaiah the prophet. Now Isaiah the prophet wrote things that were fulfilled hundreds and hundreds of years later. And some things that have not come to pass to this day. This guy, when he wrote stuff down or he said stuff, it happened. Over and over and everybody knew it. So when Isaiah said anything, everybody trembled. Right? So... In those days, Hezekiah, who was a good king, became ill and was at the point of death. The prophet Isaiah, son of Amaz, went to him and matter of fact, he says, well, this is what God says. Put your house in order because you're going to die. You'll not recover. See you later. <laughs> so he leaves. Walking out the door, Hezekiah turned his face to the wall and prayed to the Lord. Remember, Lord, how I walked before you faithfully and with wholehearted devotion. I've done what is good in your eyes. And Hezekiah wept bitterly. Before Isaiah had left the middle court, the word of the Lord came to him. So he's walking out of the palace. Before he can get out the door, God speaks to him. He says, go back and tell Hezekiah, the ruler of my people, this is what the Lord, the God of your father says, I've heard your prayer and seen your tears. I will heal you. On the third day from now, you will go up to the temple of the Lord. I'll add 15 years to your life, and I will deliver you and this city from the hand of the king of Assyria. We talked about them earlier. I will defend this city for my sake. See, Assyria came and they got the northern kingdom, but they didn't get the southern kingdom. That was left for Babylon. And for the sake of my servant David. Then Isaiah said, prepare a poultice of figs. They did so and applied it to the boil, and he recovered. But then Hezekiah, he was so unnerved. He was so freaked out about the thing. He just had to have more collaboration, more like like affirmation. So he says, well, what will be the sign that the Lord will heal me and that I will go up to the temple of the Lord on the third day from now? Isaiah answered, well, this is the Lord's sign to you that the Lord will do what he's promised. Shall the shadow go forward ten steps or shall it go backward ten steps? Now, so normally a shadow goes down, but going backwards, that would be quite a trick. It's a simple matter for the shadow to go forward ten steps. It has a high rather have it go backward ten steps. Then the prophet Isaiah called on the Lord, and the Lord made the shadow go back the ten steps that had gone down the stairway of Ahaz. Does God still do these things? This is crazy. He's interrupting like 
the cosmos. <laughs> I, I don't know what happened. Like when the step, does that change time? What happens when the step, when the sun stops doing what it's supposed to be doing? Amazing. Wow. We don't fabricate answers. We just watch for signs for a breakthrough. And our job is to respond in faith when they see it coming. So Elijah says, nope, it's not going to rain. Not going to rain. Not going to rain. Seven years he did that. And finally, Mount Carmel happens. Fire comes down. Kills all these prophets. He looks at the king and says, you know, I hear the sound of rain. Okay. Very interesting. So many of us know this story. Mount Carmel, if you've ever been there, it's the coolest place. So we got to visit there when we were in Israel. And so, there he is. But you would think he would just kind of, you know, drink some lemonade or kick back. But you know what he did? He goes up on the hill, on the top of the hill. He looks out to the sea and he has his servant with him. He starts praying. Now he already declared it's going to rain. But he starts praying. And he says, seven times he prayed. Now why would you pray seven times? Ah! There's that little persistence thing. It's all through the Bible. Just keep on doing it, right? So he prays. You know, he has his head between his legs praying. He says, Gehazi, what do you see? I don't see nothing. <laughs> this stinking drought. <laughs> prays for another five minutes. Gehazi, what do you see? I don't see nothing. <laughs> Gehazi, what do you see? Third time. Fourth time. Five times. Six times. I know. What? I'll look out there. Seventh time. Oh, well... I do see a cloud the size of a man's hand. This is so powerful. See, the thing is, we've got to learn to see the cloud the size of a man's hand and start responding appropriately. That's why when you pray, you look, you watch. You continue looking for the answers. The Bible calls that faith. And when you see a little bit of improvement, you say more. That's why in the vineyard we pray when we're praying for healing. Why we say, more Lord. It's one of our famous prayers. We're not very smart. We just know, pray. How are you feeling? Better. More. More. We say it all different kinds of ways to be a super spirit. More. 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 I mean, all kinds of ways, but we know we're not too smart, so we add a little sauce to it sometimes. You know? More. So, so he goes up. So he, so he turns and size of man. I got it. Hey. We better get down the hill. Go tell the king, we're getting out of here. It's going to rain really hard. So down they run. Sure enough, as they're going down the hill, the rain starts coming, right? The more comes. Oh, man. So Elijah, the point is, he understood above everybody it was going to rain, but he's still praying for it. You understand? He knows there's the promise. He understands it, but he's still praying for it. And then finally, he sees this the, the sign. He knows it's mine. And he goes and he starts responding accordingly. He doesn't wait. He gets in his chariot because the thing's going to rain. He's going to stop his chariot or, or whatever he's in. You know, it's going to stop him from going because he, he needs to get to, down to the capital because there's more mischief afoot. What's going to happen after the prophets of Baal were killed? Right? So he does it. All the ways of God. See all these crazy stories? Read your Bible. Go through them step by step. Watch what people could get away with. Watch how people interacted with God. Watch the ways of God. They're amazing. They're numerous. They're very, very instructive. And they're always about praying and learning to interact with God in such a way that you get out of hard spaces and you go to new spaces and you, you get an inheritance and you, you get delivered from evil on the one hand and, and you declare the kingdom on the other hand. Right? 
There are no wrong answers from God. Only things that have yet to be fully explained or realized. So sometimes there are things that just don't get answered in the right way, or the way we were expecting, right? So David went through something like that. He sinned horribly. He sinned horribly. He made a horrible mistake. And so because he sinned with Bathsheba, you know the story. And so God said, well, the son's going to die. But here's an amazing thing about David. He knew this about God. So he fasted and prayed. Even though God said the kid's going to die, he tried to change God's mind. He tried. He did everything he could. He fasted and prayed. Then when he heard the news that he had died, he got up and had something to drink. And normally in Israel, the time you would fast, fast, especially as you would do it when there was a time of great sorrow and grief. He says, well, you fasted and prayed while the child was alive. We don't get it. Why do you want something to eat now that he's died? You would think he would not want something to eat now, but it would be... You have everything... No, he didn't have everything reversed. He thought he would change God's mind. He tried to change God's mind. He had had so much experience with God, he tried to change God's mind. While the kid was alive, then he was dead, he realized it was over. So he got something to eat. But here's an amazing thing. It's not always the, the story. Because he goes into his wife, and they end up... She ends up getting pregnant. And the one that's born replaces the other one that died, and his name was Solomon which is the single greatest blessed king in all of Israel's history. A very wise man. God gave him Solomon. And so sometimes God makes his own justice and rearranges things and does things. David shouldn't have got nothing. He sinned horribly. He caused a man to be murdered. Yet because of his repentance and his sorrow, God covered him. And then he ultimately gave him the desire of his heart. He didn't even know this was going to happen. He gave him the heir to the kingdom through his horrible mistake. Is God good or what? It's amazing. And your interaction with God through prayer helps you understand that. That's why Romans 8.28 is one of my favorite passages of Scripture. You see that on the very end, at the very end of your outline there. Romans 8:28. I love that passage so much because it flows so well with prayer. What does God cause? Cause all things to work together for good, for them to love the Lord and to call according to His purpose. And prayer is right in the center of all that. God works for the good of those who love Him, who have been called according to His purpose. Put that up again. I just want you to hold that right there for everybody to see that. Because this is really the heart. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him who have been called according to his purpose. Could I say then, take that with the rest of the revelation I've been giving you today. But we're a part of the all good. Right? And so our prayer life is where we intersect with that. Our interaction with God, our communication, our relationship with him. So as we're interacting and asking for big things, keep on asking, keep on knocking, seeking, listening for his voice, trying to obey, do the thing, all while we're doing that, he's causing this to happen. All things to work together. For those that love him are called according to his purpose. It might be the most horrible thing happened, but he can rearrange it, change it. But the part about loving him and being called according to his purpose, we cannot give up. We can't stop. And there's a sure sign that you've given up or you stopped when you stop praying. That's where you know what's in your heart. Because this thing in your heart, that thing that's inside you, that seed, always has faith in that. God recognizes that faith. And even when you're in the worst possible place, you're in the best possible place when you just turn to God like even these old evil kings, horrible kings. These 
kings that killed people and ruined people, these, these dictators and Jonah and, uh, that dealt with and, and Ahab, and they turned and then God sought and put into thing a whole other thing, emotion, right? By the way, in closing, one thing, though, that's a disqualifier. You've got to be real careful with this one. Is make sure you don't hold grudges. God has so much mercy on you. Whatever you do, forgive, and you'll be forgiven. Judge not, and you won't be judged. So as you're approaching God with your sacrifice of prayer, this is the one thing that gets in the way of prayer or anything else. You just can't get bitter at anyone. It's to your detriment. So you just got to let people off the hook. So what we're talking about here is bowls and barrels full of mercy. <laughs> we have to learn how to swim in that for ourselves first and then for others. We get it and then we give it. And all of it comes through this discovery of how open and how kind God is to listen to what we have to say and respond to our requests. Amen? Amen. Let's all stand. I just think that this probably, I stirred up a whole lot of prayer here today. I'm hoping I did. And I was just especially sensitive to you that uh, maybe felt like uh, I was given some easy answers to a very complicated situation. Maybe even a trap you've been in for a long, long time. Might be a sickness, a situation, a marriage issue. Man's born for trouble as sparks fly upward. <laughs> we have a find a way. And some of you, I'm looking at you, I know you, and some of you have recently had some of the most devastating circumstances happen in your life, and you left you standing there going, Why, God? Why? But you know, if you've had any life experience whatsoever, it does no good to ask those questions. So we have to let God help us through those things. We have to believe that, after all, if there's any revelation that comes out of what I said today with regard to prayer, God is a good God. And the one thing in all the universe that helps us understand, because God had to put it in place for those that look forward in faith and those that look backward, is Jesus hanging on the tree, shedding blood for you and I, so that we could have relationship with God and access to him. That's what evens everything else out. Whether you prayed for something and you didn't get it right away or didn't get it at all or thought maybe you got the opposite. Or whether you gave up altogether and praying the deepest desires and designs of your heart because of disappointment or because of something happened in your childhood or some sort of wounding. Listen, the thing that evens it all out is Jesus. God gave his only son for you for you to do well. And his own son taught these things. Don't give up. Keep on asking. Keep on knocking. Keep on seeking. Look for the best. Expect God to be merciful. More merciful than you ever thought about being. Expect him to come in the deepest darkness. And at the point of your worst failure, King Ahab... And all these lists of horrible characters didn't deserve what they got. 
The beauty of the cross is the beauty of the fatherhood of God. He wanted his kids back. And he got them through the blood of Jesus. Now he wants to start acting like Jesus did. And through the trials and pains and sorrows of life. To see God do miracles and make change. And affect this whole world for God. So what I'm going to do now is I'm just going to take a time. I, I always like to give our people time to respond. I know we have a beautiful, some things, some snacks and all kinds of things outside. But I know now that many of you are thinking in your head of something really serious in your brain, you know. Maybe saying, what about this? What about that? Maybe even what I said opened some possibilities for you that perhaps you'd long ago given up on. So why don't we just have a little prayer meeting here for the next five minutes or however long you'd like to stay. I'm sure he'll be here for at least five minutes or so. And what I'd like you to do is an act of your faith. Sometimes for me, with regard to prayer, I just like to wiggle a little bit. Just do something as an act of my faith, as some kind of response. I ask and I respond. And sometimes just coming up forward, like in a time like this, is very helpful. You don't have to. God will see you right where you're uh, seated. But if you would like to, why don't you come up to the front? You won't even have a ministry team. Just do business with God. Just think of this next five minutes or ten minutes, or if you want to stay here a half hour, I don't care how long you stay. Whatever you do, just do business with the Lord. Ask Him to help you to pray. Just lift it up to Him. So if you'd like to come, come right now. Let's just turn this into a house of prayer, this front into an altar. You can do it from your seat if you like, no problem. Lord Jesus, Father in heaven, Holy Spirit, Help us today. Breathe on us to keep on praying in the face of horrible adversity or downright depression. Move mountains today. Make changes just because we asked. Just because we said, help, Lord. I'm sorry, Lord, for my bitterness. I let go of it. I just need help. Show me the grace. Show me your mercy. Most powerful prayers anybody ever prayed is have mercy on me, Son of God. Have mercy on me. Could I just challenge you? The most stuck place in your life, the place you've given up on, the place that's the darkest, the places that hasn't moved for years maybe, pray it now. Be bold. Just come right down boldly to a throne of grace, Paul said. And ask for Jesus. Ask Him for help in a time of need. Come boldly. The place that's dead. Things you thought were dead. I just declare, Lord, in our prayers today, our breathing in life again. Relatives, friends, children that we thought could never turn. People who injured us we thought we never could forgive. Financial situations we thought would never budge. Issues of pain in our own life and sorrow that we never we thought could never heal. We ask you to heal, save, deliver Jesus. Son of God, have mercy on us. Have mercy. We call out to you just like that man who was blind on the side of the road. Just like that woman with the issue of blood who touched you. Heal our lives. Heal our relatives. Heal our friends. Heal our finances. Heal everything. Deliver us from evil. 
Help us to forgive others that we need to forgive. Forgive us, Lord. Have mercy. Have mercy today. Well, I'm going to leave you with God now. Leave when you like. I'd be careful how you leave today. If you could just leave carefully. We've got lots of fun outside. Because some people are maybe just really in the a real key place with God. and They just need to stay there for a moment. So if you, leave, if you could leave quietly, that'd be great. And for you that stay here, just feel free to be here as long as you like. Whatever you do, take advantage of this asking that we do before the Lord. This wisdom of praying for God's help.